You're listening to Pocket Jaces, the podcast where your hosts Kieran, DJ, and Niall explore the overlapping worlds of Magic the Gathering and poker with you, one concept at a time. So how's everybody this week? Another week of lockdown, another week of online poker, online magic, the uh, the best things you can do with your life when there's there's nothing else to do in the world. Uh, have, have you guys been enjoying it this week? Uh, Pretty good. Yeah. Let's go, DJ. Yeah, let's go. Um, better than a lot of other weeks, actually. Mostly because the Arena Opens happened last weekend. Not sure if you guys are aware of that happening or not. Um... Oh, I'll tell you, DJ, I was like a granny at a slot machine, just pumping <laughs> coins into a try my best. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it was the most fun I've had playing Magic in a long, long time. Um, we'll talk more about it later um, and how everybody got on. Um, but I had a lot of fun this weekend playing Magic, not even thinking about poker for a change, you know, not even thinking about a Sunday grind or anything, um, and just focusing it all on Magic. And I think the sealed format was a lot more fun than the draft format. What, what about you, Niall? Uh, similar. So I spent the whole week practicing sealed, and then I played the Open. We'll talk about that later. But had a huge amount of fun doing that, and my mind really hasn't been on poker all week so that's that's been a, a big change i did put in a sunday grind in after the magic tournament and it went to shit so spoiler alert uh, I, I probably shouldn't have, i probably shouldn't have done it so um no the, the sunday grind went to shit we'll, we'll yet to see whether the magic tournament went to shit spoilers it, it did pretty <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> what about you kira yeah, I'm much the same. I played the Arena Open as well. Really enjoyed it, so we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, haven't been playing that much poker. Play, been playing a bit of cash just to try and keep up with that. Uh, I'm playing on 888, which seems to have pretty pretty soft Zoom pools. Um, so it's been pretty good playing on that. It seems it seems like a good way to, to run up a bankroll if anyone is interested in playing cash at the moment. Yep. Uh, much much softer than the, the star Zoom pool, for sure. It's smaller, and like the game doesn't run all the time, so you pretty much just got to play in like, you know, evenings. There'll be like 40 people in the pool or sure. something like that at 25 NL, but yep. it's fine um yeah played um a friend of the show dara twitch tv slash irish tilter he's a poker streamer mm-hmm. he uh let us know that the irish open on party poker is running satellites to the main event of the irish open which is a, which is a 1k 1100 euro entry so i played a few of those just uh because he recommended them and so yeah pretty pretty comfortably in my first one made the the final phase they do like weekly phase three satellites um on Saturdays, I think that uh, the top thirty players get an entry to the main event or something like that. So okay. I think it's, I did, and it looks, I think it looks like there'll be maybe four hundred entries or something like that to the tournament. So that seems pretty good. Like the tournament seemed pretty soft, and I'd imagine that's a tournament where if you know your stuff with regards to ICM and just getting into the top ten percent of the field is all that matters, then you should have a huge edge over kind of the you know the Irish Open kind of like recreational players who. Right probably just have never studied an icm spot in their lives and uh, so i'm i'm hoping that'll be a pretty soft tournament and i might spike it and uh and uh you know make it the dream you know just, uh, I, I think just, so i mean it's yeah, uh yeah. congratulations on your like instant qualification to the final up sounds great um, that's nice too yeah. yeah i might have felt differently had that not gone well i would have been exactly like i i i played two i fired two bullets last night and didn't nothing happened for me so yeah uh but it, it just so happens um I think this this Irish Open, as it is every year, is going to be soft because it just pulls in this live crowd that yeah. wants to play the Irish Open because it's a huge prestigious event. And don't look at this like a 1K on the internet. You have no business playing a 1K on the internet, but you might have some business playing the Irish Open. You know, much different yeah. color fish. 
Exactly. So yeah, if I don't make it this week, I reckon I'll probably fire a few bullets kind of during the what is it a month or so or something until yeah. the the Irish Open three weeks a month or something like that. So I'll probably yeah I'll probably just try and qualify for the weekend phase three thing every week and, and see how I get on with it. So sure. that's it. That's kind of the only poker I've been playing though. Nice. Uh, and it is a bit grim because it's like they're turbos, so it's like you're not they're soft, but like you you know you're still you're still taking a lot of flips. And of stuff course. Like that. You're not play, you're not playing that deep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving on, before we get onto the Arena Open, moving on to some magic, sort of, less fun news. Uh, Hasbro had one of their big corporate meetings today, I don't know if it was a quarterly thing, shareholder meeting or something like that. But they announced that they are now incorporating Wizards of the Coast, who they already owned, but still remained a separate kind of uh, company entity within Hasbro. They're now incorporating them into being a division of Hasbro um they're just going to be called their wizards and digital division so i'll just read from the wall street journal article so it says under the new structure which the company plans to unveil but at an investor event on thursday hasbro will be divided into three parts consumer products will encompass toys like transformers action figures and classic board games like monopoly entertainment will be dedicated to licensing distribution and production of film and television content Wizards and Digital will house the assets of Wizards of the Coast and focus on expanding the existing games, creating new ones, and overseeing digital licensing for the entire business. Um, so along, so that kind of is good. presumably there's going to be some kind of like corporate restructuring there. You know, sure. we might see some of the kind of known names in the Wizards of the Coast hierarchy move on from the company. You know, or like if if they're if they're going to move in kind of Hasbro executives into those slots, it's it's up in the air. We don't know, but it's a bit worrying because you know these people who work in these positions in Magic have in broad stroke broad strokes done the game well. You know, over the long term right. and. Uh, and so, so it's a bit unnerving to, to hear that. But, you know, we have no real concrete info on that. Uh, also, they announced that um, they are going to be um, doing a lot more of the sort of crossover uh, franchise stuff that they've done with Magic Cards. Um, so the, the Walking Dead crossover, the Godzilla cards that we've already seen. Uh, they're planning more of those, um, so they've made a deal with Games Workshop uh, to create a Warhammer 40k product for Magic. Um, I think it's unclear what that is, but I believe it's been said that it's not going to be a full set. Right. So maybe it's more of a secret layer type thing with either new cards. I dare say it's something like that. like that. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a money grab. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then also they've made an agreement with Middle Earth Enterprises for a Lord of the Rings themed expansion. So that is going to be a full Lord of the Rings themed set. Sure. Um, and there's also going to be, uh, no, sorry, that's that's all they announced. That's all okay. they announced. Um, but I believe they've said that the Lord of the Rings set will not be standard legal. Uh, was clarified on Twitter, I think by Marrow or maybe by someone else. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I think this is kind of the stuff that people were foretelling doom about yeah. back when this Walking Dead thing first happened, uh, where they were like, oh, it's just going to be more and more crossovers, and eventually we're going to hit ones we don't like and stuff like that. So how, how do you guys feel about this, start, starting with now? Okay, two, 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 two parts to this, the, the corporate business and then the, the crossover sure, business. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's deal with corporate stuff first. Um. Yeah, hugely, hugely worried about this. Um, whenever anything like that this happens in any corporation in business, especially when the big business takes over the smaller business, you get corporate restructuring. They bring in yep. people 
And I'm sure they'll keep people in key positions and things like that. But if you think there's any nepotism in hiring and firing in Wizards now, we just see what happens when the big boys get get a hold, get a hold of it. You, you haven't seen yeah. the, someone's son is going to be this little corporal upstart, and someone who's never seen a fucking magic card is going to be head of R and D at some point. And uh, this this is really scary. And if we think Hasbro are on the money grab with things now, I'm really, really, really scared about what this might mean. And I know yeah. I'm I'm. I've got the doomsday clock stuck to five to midnight here. And, uh, this is classic Magic the Gathering player stuff, but I'm I'm kind of worried. What, what about... Magic is dead. Magic yeah. is dead. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Deej? Um. So, I, I I I don't know. I think I need someone to explain to me why this is such a terrible thing from a product standpoint. Like, why are people so pissed off that we are getting a Lord of the Rings? set and warhammer stuff oh we'll move on to that i agree but we're talking about the corporate stuff with the the merging or the taking over and basically making wizards a department of hasbro rather than being a i, I don't i don't give a fuck about that um you'll, like, you'll give a fuck about it when they're when they're giving you like pokemon cards instead of magic cards and i would know. love that <laughs> right, please yeah. give me a pokemon magic crossover right now well, i'll take already a pikachu a, planeswalker yeah, you, yeah, already... dj's already a professional uh dbz card player right so he doesn't care about magic <laughs> he's a fucking speculator over here <laughs> yeah. no you'll care the like, magic's good or by by and large because the people who make it care about magic by and large that's why magic's good and once you get once you turn magic into a product like coca-cola or something then it doesn't really matter you know it coca-cola is a really bad example because you just print it out basically but anything that requires in uh, intellectual input like the product declines when people making it don't care about it yeah i think there's like there's a lot there that like for example, it'll probably reopen the question of the reserve list, however you feel about it one way or the other. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if like whatever new executive comes in and is, is is in charge of like supplementary products or whatever, right? If they see like a, a customer feedback survey that says that, you know, X percentage of players want to get rid of the reserve list, they're going to go, what's the reserve list? And then they're going to go, how much money would we make by abolishing it? Right, yeah. and that's going to be the only thing they care about. They're not going to care about the integrity of the game or whether these cards should be reprinted or not. And again, I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't be for this argument. I'm just saying no, it's going to be an outsider has no contacts coming in, and the, and the decision will be entirely profit driven. You know, right. I, you know, there's the argument there. Maybe you'd say that happens already, and um, you're you're naive if you think that sure. you know that we don't already live in that world with the with the current Wizards executives. I don't right, know. and but, there's there's also yeah. an argument that that's fine and market forces make the product better and stuff like that but i don't think that's the case with magic i think magic is a unique product in a unique place now it of course competes with other games it it competes for screen screen time and clicks and all that it does all that that's fine but that doesn't take away from the fact that magic has isn't has the potential to be one of the best games ever created and there's something really sacred there to protect and you know it makes me think about you know, when chess players get really riled up when something happens in chess that they don't... Because there's no money in it, but it's about the integrity of the game, you know, and that's what it's I care like even, about. Yeah, even like PogChamps, you know, the Twitch yeah. Yeah. chess tournament, stuff like that, there are a lot of chess players who are like, this is not what chess is about. This is a disgrace. And I this get is, it. You know? You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, it's just... Uh, 
it's uh, there are going to be implications to this. We don't know what they are yet, but uh, it's always fun to speculate. You know, speculation mm-hmm. is Magic player's yeah. favorite thing to do. So, my thing about this is that if the Lord of the Rings set just turns out to be, um, say for argument's sake, it was standard legal, and we're going to have a draft format and everything centering around it. Like if all of that played totally fine, then what's the problem? Um, well, I mean, people. There are people who really are into the lore of MTG and the and yeah. the you know the internal consistent universe fantasy universe that's there, and it's pretty barefaced and kind of breaks that to just be like, and here's the Lord of the Rings cards that you now have to play with. You know what I mean? Like people kind of were okay-ish. Well, people still didn't like the Dungeons and Dragons set thing that they announced, but people were like, well, okay, Zendikar is pretty like a D and D world anyway. Yeah. D&D is pretty generic. There's already a lot of crossover with kind of the creatures and the tropes and stuff that are in Magic because it kind of created those tropes in the first place. Mm. So, but like this one is like specifically, it's going to be like, oh, I block my Legolas with your Legolas with my Aragorn or whatever, you know? And I mean, I can just understand people who care about that, you know, they're like, I'm an is it mage, you know, and that's the part of Magic they really connect to. Sure. Just, just being like, I don't, I don't like this, you know? Absolutely. And, I, they they could even get away with the Lord of the Rings stuff because that just has classic high fantasy tropes and there's going to be elves and goblins and orcs and whatever it happens to be. That's fine. But yeah. Warhammer 40k is such a unique universe in in, a, in and of itself. I mean, I'm... And it's so opposed to kind of the the philosophy of magic. Yeah. Kind of, like magic yeah. universes are generally pretty positive and they're not like this like really grim dark stuff. They're like hero stories. Yeah, they're hero stories, yeah. and they like they often like include kind of very positive representation. That's Absolutely. a big goal for Magic over the last few years, and that just seems like pretty diametrically opposed to kind of the forty k <laughs> dystopian war. <laughs> like it's just yeah, yeah. yeah. There's in Magic. You're right. Magic always has these like moral um, storylines and things like and like personal struggle, and I'm sure forty k has all that too. But it's in it's it's, it's behind it's in front of a completely different background. The idea is. Yeah. I suppose if anyone hasn't heard of 40k at home, you have. But uh, in 40k, it's we're in the future and everything's ruled by war and chaos, and it's about individuals trying to survive. And in magic, it's, it's very high tech. You're talking high tech, and yeah. guns and stuff, which again is, you know, th- that I'm really hoping this product to me is the same as the Transformers one-off card. Yeah, that you would be fun. You know, they're yeah. basically just collector's items, and you don't, you can't play them really in normal sure. magic decks like gold border or, or whatever you know but just last yeah. week we were we were talking about how classically magic kaldheim felt and how we all love that so yeah. Yeah. i don't want to take any of that magic away you know i want them to keep printing yeah. blood on the snow <laughs> yeah and like there's one line i didn't read out from this article as well just about the so the uh, according to Hasbro chief executive Brian Goldner, the Wizards unit is on track to double revenue from 2018 to 2023. Oof. So if you do the numbers there, we're halfway through that period at the moment. So they're obviously very happy with the direction since 2018, yeah. which, and I would say most Magic players, there's a lot of stuff since 2018 that people are really not happy with the direction with. So I'd say that's a sign that we're just going to see more of the same over the next two years of what we've seen. So secret layers, exclusive crossover products. Yeah. Um, power level increases to sell sets across the board, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, and it's it's the, the, one of the core points is that 
even we as Magic players are having a discussion about this balance between game health, game longevity, and essentially the game being big and profits. Could you imagine explaining this to an executive who doesn't care or who doesn't yeah. know? You know, they're literally just going to be like, "Is this going to make more money?" Yeah, yes or no. And they they have managers to report to him who it's their job to just give them those figures, That's you know? it. or give him or her those figures. Sure. Sorry. Um, yeah, or them. Sorry, fuck. Just, it's so hard. <laughs> Living in the world is so hard. Uh, as a, as a cis white male, I'm, uh, I'm so, I've got it so tough. Yeah, so many, yeah, so many um, minds. But yeah, yeah. Any, any. But you know, it's yeah. Just just about the thing as well. I think it's really bad for eternal formats in specific. The fact that they've said, oh, this Lord of the Rings set isn't going to be standard legal. Uh, you know, like these these the stupid Walking Dead cards already had a legacy impact. You know, humans tried out playing the Rick card or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, and and if they're modern legal, like just I can see modern players especially really hating that because I think of all like competitive ish Magic players, modern players are the ones who like love their deck and identify with it the most and tend to stick with their deck for the longest. Totally. Right? I think you know they just have their pet decks and they love it. And I just, I really don't want to see, like, that turn into, like, Lord of the Rings and fucking Rick and Morty cards or whatever it turns into, you know, fucking <laughs> Coronation Street Planeswalkers. <laughs> Pot Butcher, Pop Lanity. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Planeswalker. Yeah. yeah. But, and, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's like, it's just like, I think it says a lot that like Lord of the Rings is probably one of the most palatable ones they could have announced for Magic fans, and we're still like, oh, I don't know about that, you know? Yeah, Lord of the Rings. I mean, the, 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 I, I will see Pickle Rick on a card. I'm willing to put the bet out there. We are going to see Pickle Rick on a Magic card I think, at some point. Yeah, you know, I know David Wolf and Dave Murphy, friends of the show. I think already had this bet last year that there was going to be a Rick and Morty secret lair within X time frame. I'm not sure if that bet's still alive. It's, we it's we, definitely we got pretty close with that slime secret lair. That was like an Adventure Time style one, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So just a bizarre world we live in, man. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should just be yeah. getting into the, the Dragon Ball Z cards, DJ. Yeah. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, I, you've, you've uh, got some to sell. That, that, that they, prices are... <laughs> they are still on the rise, for the record. And will go. keep rising. Is the game actually good? Have you played it? The game is actually pretty good. Um, I won't uh, go too far into it, but um, basically it has a life mechanic, which means neither player fa- falls too far behind. You take damage, you draw cards, basically. Oh, so, okay. Well, can you um, abuse that by like damaging yourself? Is that a thing? Um, there are some decks that uh, draw cards from your life. Ooh, cool. Um, okay. So, um, yeah. There's a trade-off there then between, you know, getting low on life and having more cards. But everybody's drawing loads of cards, so card advantage is slightly less relevant. Kind of Pokemon-y, uh, right? That's what that game is yeah, quite like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, cool, uh, okay. Th- th- there's no land system either. Um, so you're just uh, playing cards. For, like Mental Magic, you're playing cards from your hand as lands. Ooh. Cool, I like that. That was the way the... Um... The what was it a Final Fantasy card game worked like that as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which I always thought was was quite good. Yeah, uh, cool. All right. Well, I'd like to try it at some point. Is it is it playable online? Just... Uh, yeah, there is actually a bit of software. We will talk offline about it. Cool. Uh, All right. Well, we, we might yeah, do that as do a that. as a little mini episode in the future or something like that if people are interested in hearing about a different Sweet. card game. Cool. All right, but let's move on to uh, the most beloved game. Even though we just talked about how shit shit on it for ten minutes, uh, magic. <laughs> it's because we care. 
It is. It's yeah, that's it. So uh, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the Arena Open that happened uh, this past weekend. So it was sealed. So it was the first competitive limited event on Arena. So that was Let's exciting go. in yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I wasn't going to fire a single bullet because I, as I've discussed in the podcast, didn't like the draft format very much. But you know it's going to happen. Everyone's playing it on the Saturday and it's so exciting and I'm watching all the drafts. I'm like, okay, i got to fire some bullets here. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And I really surprised myself. As you said, DJ, I really enjoyed it and I thought the sealed format was actually a lot better than the draft format is. Um, it actually just, encouraged yeah. me to start drafting the set mm. again to make sure that my opinion of it was correct the first time, and I'm not so sure anymore. Mm. Um, I like after playing the Arena Open, I am enjoying drafting a good bit more than I did before. I'm not sure if uh, a decent performance at the Arena Open had any influence on that, but uh, yeah, sorry, I think I interrupted you. No, no, that's I mean that's great, great to hear. Yeah, I ha- I haven't gone back and drafted again, but I'd definitely be a lot more likely to. Um, mm. I just thought it was great. Yeah, the combination of like having the snow lands in your pool. Hopefully, you get some decent, you know, uh, snow jewels that that let you, you know, play a multicolor deck or splash some cards, and kind of the foretell cards. Uh, you know, the 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 good ones kind of lend themselves well to sort of sealed type gameplay yeah. that are kind of geared towards longer games and stuff. Anyway, you know, it it just felt a lot better. And the format is quite bomby, but in a sealed format, everyone's playing their bombs. So, you know, if even if you have an average pool, you should still have, like, at least one bomb rare you can play that can turn around games. So, yeah, for me, I think that just made it function really well as a, as a sealed format. What did you think, Mel? Um, I agree. I think the sealed format's way better than the draft format. For all the reasons you said, snow's much more prevalent, much more playable and sealed. Um, well, you can draft snow in, in draft, but ev- almost every sealed deck has a snow element. You're like splashing a Bergstrider, or you're playing four four Snowlands and an Icebind Pillar, or you... and it's kind of cool as well, yeah. right? Because you you're you're capped basically at six Snowlands yeah. apart from the the common one and Glittering Frost. So it's like you're never going to face the the nut snow deck no. with like eleven Snowlands. Exactly, that just can't exist. That's what you don't yeah. have exactly. So what you do have is these snow splashes, basically, and ev- most decks get to do it. Um, I find that there was room for aggressive decks and controlling decks in the format. Um, plenty of removal so that the bombs didn't get out of hand um, you know there's bombs there's always going to be bombs and sealed but um, really balanced the, the 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 colors that were bad in draft like black is has been seen as a bad color in draft pretty good in sealed feed the serpent premium removal you know perfectly playable totally. color um, you can play your greed you can build your greed piles if you want you can build, build your streamlined decks yep. Most pools were difficult, I thought, to build. Really interesting to build. Really, really interesting. You had loads of decisions to make um, with every pool. Spoiler alert, I had four entries in day one. And every single pool was interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I had decisions to make. Like, there's one pool I remember. I had a choice between a Black Red Aggressive deck or a Greedy Bant Snow deck. You know, um, everything... Every color was play- was playable. Was represented. It yeah. was represented. Yeah. Um. There was no pool that I had across the two days where it was simply like, oh, I have to be green white or I have to be blue red. Um. Like, it was and it really interesting. That, uh, t- I did. I don't know if you find this, guys, but every pool seems somewhat playable. Like I saw people post yep. their pools on 
Irish magic and say this is a terrible pool. It's like, well, that looks perfectly serviceable to me. Not a bo- not bonkers by any stretch, but you could build a seal deck out of that. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. Having Sir Ulf's pack mates and you know the augury ravens and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of just like really solid commons that are going to get you there. And even if your finishers only. You know the the ravenous lindworm in green or something like Perfectly that. Serious. That can win games. Games are sealed. You know it's it's that'll do it. You know enough removal. Just clear the board and hit the swing with that thing a few times. You're going to win the game, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I I definitely felt the same. There was what I think my first pool that I opened was really interesting. I had like what I when I looked at it, I had like two invasion of the giants and the battle of frost and fire and a calamity bearer, and I was like, okay, I must just have the nuts blue red deck here right right and i put it together and i was like almost gonna reg it and then i was like oh hang on i actually just can't play this there's only like nine creatures i actually don't have that many giants i'm kind of relying on changelings to trigger this giant stuff uh and i actually just didn't end up playing blue red and or even splashing the battle of frost and fire ended up playing like a 16 land black red berserkers deck um so and it was like that i like, I'm completely sure that was the correct choice. I don't think I have a picture of the pool. Mm. And I, I actually felt like I really got rewarded for taking my time with the pool and, and looking at it. And, you know, I think a lot of players there maybe would have just gone with the, the blue-red deck because they saw they had these good uncommons and, and, and good rares and stuff. But it actually just wouldn't... I don't think it would have just uh, worked. I just don't think it would have been a functional deck on curve and creature count, you know? Mm. So that aspect it worked really well for me. Um yeah, the fact that you just didn't face the kind of nuts synergies of like a nuts blue red giants deck or right. something like that too often, you know, it was that you were mostly just facing kind of like value decks pretty that much. were like pretty well put together. So yeah, yeah I, I and I agree. Yeah, though I didn't see any pools that looked like totally unplayable. You could get pretty unlucky with your rares, um, sure. you know, and 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 with how many snow basics versus how many snow jewels you open did determine kind of which direction you, you likely had to yeah. go with your draft as well. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the sales but, uh, seminars um, I watched come running up to the tournament were like, look at your lands. Your jewels really dictate what you can and cannot play. And I, I thought that rang true. And um, yeah. I fired three bullets on day one and re- managed to qualify with my third bullet. And my pool on day two didn't really have any snow jewels. And it was it was, it was a really, really rough, rough build for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the way it goes. But the, I was going to say an upside was that something you recognize, Kieran, that you just put all your good co- uncommons and rares together and you've got your deck. In Old Seal, that's the way you did it. You just played your best cards. Yeah. But this has taught me that modern Seal is much, much different. Your aggregate card quality matters much more. Your curve matters much more. Your, the quality of your drops matter. So you, you, you can't just dirtle around. You have to be doing something on the board. Like The, the, the games can be slow and do have, have board stalls, but you can't fall behind on board. Yeah, that, I, that much. Yeah. I, re- I remember playing sealed tournaments 10, 15 years ago, and it was relatively common to have no plays until turn four and be absolutely 100%. fine. Yeah. Um, like, a, like a mana rock was busted because it meant you could do something on turn two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you like play a divination on turn three and discard or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't work like that. I had a deck on day two. So I'd, I my pull on day two was a absolute nightmare of a pool to build. And I want to actually shout out to Dave Murphy and Steve Madden, who made a grand in this tournament naturally because he's a wizard. And, yeah, fair play, Steve Madden. Uh, and Shane for uh, helping with, with builds. And we came up with a red-green aggro deck. And then I had like a Grixis control deck, which was what you were referring to. Like, you know, like the classic do-nothing deck with like a bomb and a load of card draw. 
and and I I sideboarded into the the Grixis control deck in some in some matches on the on the on the draw things like that you know so some really really interesting decisions. Um, I knocked myself out of the tournament with a mistake, ironically with the card Raven form. So oh, no. Alex, if you're listening, you win. You, you are you're vindicated. So. I'd sideboarded into my Grixis control deck, and I had the the uh, the mana rock, and uh, replicating ring. Yeah, and we we traded resources back and forth, and I got them down to four, and the line was to raven for my own mana rock and try to nip in for the last four points of damage. Oh yeah, very nice. And yeah. I recognised the line the turn after I was supposed to do it, I think, and I got them down oh, to yeah. one, and they stabilised, and I just thought. I'm going to lose this fucking game of Magic and I'm going to be out of the tournament. And if I was Alex Ball, I would have won this game of Magic <laughs> and I'd be preaching to Discord right now that Ravenform yeah. won me this fucking game of Magic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's very funny. Yeah, I fired five bullets on day one, didn't qualify for day two, just to bring some balance here to, to all those listeners who didn't qualify because, yeah. you know, we, we can't all qualify. It happens. Uh, yeah, and but like, listen, honestly, I had fun playing all the, all the tournaments. You know, I like I cashed the last uh, historic one or whatever. So yeah, uh, you know, I'm I, you know, I'm sure I'm still you're running. Still you're still running over over EV on that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, uh, if there if there's anybody listening who fired a bunch of bullets and didn't make day two and they're feeling down about it, like, don't you know that that that's just it's just gonna happen sometimes. Sometimes, may, may, you know, maybe you did get the unplayable pool. Maybe you mulligan to oblivion. Maybe your um, opponents just all have better decks than you. It 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 just doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're bad at magic or anything. Like just keep keep going, keep keep learning, yeah. keep plugging away. I I raised my third bullet while hammered, so <laughs> I I played my first two bullets in the afternoon when I was sober as a judge and I thought I played really well. Then I went to dinner with my dad and uh, me and him got into drinking a load of drink and solving the world's problems and I staggered home at like 12 o'clock and said fuck this I'm gonna fire another bullet I just like opened like a fucking chariot I just like ran over people I love it yeah I, I uh my last bullet that I fired I thought I had a great deck and had a few beers as well oh, no. and uh I think I was like four two or something like that four two or five two and I was like yeah this is the one we're gonna get there just rattle off a few wins yeah. and the last game of the tournament uh my opponent goes what was it? They go turn one Jasper Sentinel or Jasper yeah, Sentinel. Yeah. Turn two Sculptor of Winter with a Snowland, of course. Turn three Fortell a card. I'm playing, you know, two drop, three drop as well. I'm playing. I'm like, this is fine. Yeah. On turn four, they play another creature, and on turn five, they cast Starnham Unleashed and make three. <laughs> <three. laughs> That's a magic. Yeah, seven. You know, seven or eight matter or whatever. Just. Three and I'm just staring at the cards in my hand, and I'm just like, I, I, I literally, I was like, it was one of those moments where I was just sitting there for about a minute, just the clock is going down, oh, and I just yeah. hit the concede button. I was like, I have no actual edge to this. So that was that was. I decided not to play again after that. I was like, that's a good managing tilt moment. If you just get, if they make three angels on turn five against you, it's probably good not to fire another. Moment <laughs> yeah, that'll be afterwards. I'd like. Yeah. <laughs> It was fun. But, uh, yeah. It was fun to load the, the the magic account up with some gems. What I did was um, I took some money off my Poker Stars account and loaded it on the Magic Arena, and just that moment where you're making the big deposit was just real, really exciting. Because the way yeah. the way I play Arena, I play like, like a drag. When it, when a set comes out, I deposit twenty dollars and I play a few drafts, and then if I want some more, I'll deposit another twenty. 
And usually yeah. I spend between 40 and $60 on a set, and it's fine. But I made the big deposit, you know, to practice a load of sealed, and, you know, it felt real, really fun. Yeah, you know? it, 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 fe- it kind of felt like registering for a GP. It was a similar kind yeah. of feeling. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're walking up, you're handing over your money and your DCI number or whatever, and you're like, okay, that's it. We're locked in. Tomorrow mm-hmm. we're going to play loads of great magic and... You know, you have all the dreams running around in your head, like, oh, we're going to win the whole thing, going to make lots yeah. of money, um, get all the glory, get all the girls, and it's just <laughs> going to be fantastic. Um, <laughs> There's also a feeling of degeneracy about it. When you're handing over your 80 euro for a fucking GP entry, you're thinking, <laughs> my 14-year-old self would look at me and think, what are you doing? No. Or if my mother could see me do this now, what would she say? Yeah, yeah my 14-year-old self would be like, well done. That's exactly what I had planned for you later in life. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great, though. And, um, yeah, I, I just can't wait for more of them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and even, yeah, people were saying, oh, I wish it was draft and stuff on day two. I mean, I didn't make day two, so I don't know. But but do you guys were okay with playing sealed again oh, on yeah. day two? Totally like, cool. felt, felt yeah. okay? Yeah. I, 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 th- I think it's the fairest way to do it. I think there's too many potential issues with draft, I, you know, I, stuff like that. So. I think I even... Uh, preferred it overall not that i had draft to compare it to on a day two but overall i think if you asked me would i want to do sealed or draft on day two i i, I would say sealed personally yeah, yeah i think for recreational players as well like i i don't know if uh how many listeners of ours have done like time drafts at gps or at nationals of pro tour or anything like that but they're really stressful like yeah. the time limit and like seeing the clock go down and like in paper you have a judge shouting at you every five seconds which yeah. is which is pretty fucking stressful and your your hands are shaking you're trying to fucking lay out the cards properly or whatever yeah. but even playing online like uh, like on a time draft like that i'd imagine it'd be pretty easy to like fuck something up and get in your head and stuff like yeah. that so just having a seal pool and having infinite time to build it online is like i think a way more positive experience yeah, absolutely, absolutely. like on day two um i registered at uh two o'clock and opened my packs had a look at my sealed deck built it and i sat for an hour building the deck making sure everything everything looked okay and said okay that's it and now i'm gonna go chill out for a couple of hours and i'm gonna start playing whenever i feel like it's exactly what i did yeah yeah and that that ability on arena to just play a match and then "Ah, i'll go for a walk i'll go and then come back later and you know play another match and there's zero time constraints. It's so, it's it's so de- detailed thing. It's it's beautiful. You get yeah. to go into every match 100% focus. It's great. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did when I day two the um the historic one is after every game, I would go make a cup of tea, go for a walk around the house, and I would I would just make sure I would never just like jam the rematch, but you know the next game button no straight away because I was like I was just like why would I do this? It's just it can't can't be the right thing to do, right? You should always if they're giving you time to relax and chill out, you should take yeah. it. And uh, so, yeah, I really like that about the arena schedule, definitely the way they're doing these events. And yeah, really excited to play another one, whether whether it's constructed, whether it's another yeah. limited one, I, I can't wait for the next and one. And I, th- yeah. I think one of the most enjoyable parts of it actually was seeing all of us, all of our play group, all of our friends come together and help each other out, discuss, talk magic, you know, yeah. um, talk about matches, you know, hearing bad beat stories from people. It did feel like a GP. You know, yeah, your friends coming totally. up asking, like, yeah. oh, how you doing? Like, I am um, X and one, like, oh, great, keep it up, man. And other people come up and saying, oh, they went turn three Essica's chariot into turn four Planeswalker. 
and it's like, oh, okay, no, yeah, you lost that game then. Oh no, I won. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it did it did really simulate for me the gathering part of Magic the Gathering, and I, I mean, I I said to the guys, but again, everyone, everyone in the Irish Magic community who was posting up deck lists on Facebook and everything like that, I just want to thank everyone for the shared experience because I enjoyed every single piece of yeah. of, of, totally of the experience. I, I, so thank you. And it seems seems like the Irish community did really friggin' well at this yeah. overall. Like the amount of people who posted that they did. Obviously everyone who didn't day two isn't posting about it. Or like sure. I didn't make a Facebook post sure. with my with my repeated failures. But like just the amount of people that did, I was like, this has to be a really good conversion rate from from people, you know what I mean? And in, to be. in our Discord where we hang out, I think it was definitely very good. Mm-hmm. Um and even even just on the This is Irish Magic page, I think people seem to do really well yeah. out of it. So I will say that the tournament everybody. still did seem very, very soft. Extremely soft. Oh yeah. Oh, people were misplaying. Yeah. Misbuilding, right misplaying, like playing cards they should not play at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, it's just obviously that means it's reached the widest possible audience, and that's very good. That's what we want. Yeah. And we had you know people saying to me that oh I'm going to play, and it's like well you haven't played Magic in ten years. Yeah, but it's limited for high stakes. I'll play. Yeah. It's like yeah. so it gets everyone involved. It's great. It is. It's really good. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Slops to uh, to Starnham unleashed is all. I Absolutely, just, oh. card. <laughs> just shouldn't exist. Afterwards, I wasn't even tilted, but I was just like, "Why does this card exist? Yeah, it's not good enough for yeah. standard. It just well, ruins a little bit. It's my least type." Favorite why? Type of why? Card why does it have to be single white when it's foretold? Like <laughs> I know. Why are you able to splash it? It's <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. We'll make it mythic. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, yeah. Well, it's you're playing sealed, so ever you're ever, you're playing against. You'll see one. You'll see one every tournament. Around. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It reminds me of. I don't know if I told the story of the podcast before, but when I was doing well in one of the sealed PTQs at GP London, it was Rivals of Ixalan format. Which I don't know if you guys remember, yep. but it was the Tetsamok format. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the, one of the most ludicrously unbeatable rares in, in any format ever. Is a, a six drop black uh, dinosaur uh, at rare, not even at mythic. It's just absolutely absurd magic card. And uh, you could pay a black while it was in your hand to reveal it and put a death oh, yeah, or death thing. on a creature. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you played it, it destroyed every creature with a death counter on it yeah. as a six drop. So every turn you would just take a mana off, you'd play your two drop on turn three or whatever, and you'd mark their creature, and then they'd play another creature and you'd mark it, and they'd play another creature and you'd mark it, and then you'd just play Gwyn them and have a six six left. It was one of the most absurd magic cards Sorry. ever printed. I don't know why that what the fuck they were thinking with this magic card right. but it was like i i had my little blue white azorius seal deck i had the i had a pretty good bomb too i had the remember the blue white uh uh sphinx um that sphinx's revelation when it attacked oh yeah that guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i had that um and but i was looking around being around five or six or whatever five you know five or whatever and uh, just like in the mid games, I just looked to my left, looked to my right, and there was just Tetsamox all around me in the on the top tables. And I was like, I don't have that card in yeah. my deck. My opponent probably I, does, I rem- and they did, of course. Yeah, yeah. I remember something similar from. Uh, it was actually it, it might it, no, it couldn't it couldn't have been the same tournament, but it was uh, Ixalan. Um, mm. at a yeah, it would have been GP London. Um, and looking around me at Seveno and everybody. Having like a charging monstrosaur, there was nowhere that there was not a charging monstrosaur. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. that, I had was a charging five monstrosaur. five for five. Or? Yeah, uh, five five trample, trample ace. Is, that, five. is that un- uncommon, right? Uncommon. Uncommon. Uh, yeah, as a reality smasher. Yeah. 
um, and there are loads. Some people had three. <laughs> you know, it's like Lo yeah. lots yeah. of hostage takers as well, including me. Yeah. I had hostage taker charging monster sore, obviously. Um, naturally, nice. yeah. That 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 seal deck was yeah. great. I'm really disappointed I didn't go undefeated on day one. I've... It was tough, man. I remember that rivals one that I was in. Well, there were two bad beats. One bad beat happened to me, right? Where I played my Azor. That's what he, Azor Lawbringer. That's what the the Azorius guy was called. So you play it, and it goes. Your opponent can't play instants or sorceries till your next turn. It's a trigger, and it's like, oh, brilliant! It's definitely going to survive. I'm going to win the game. My opponent just goes ravenous chupacabra, kill your Azor. I'm like, why is that interaction at the set? Yeah. That's so tilting. Uh, so that was my bad beat. And then the other bad beat, which was for someone else in the tournament, was they had restricted it, I think, to six rounds or seven rounds. And uh, nine players had a perfect record, and one of them didn't top eight on breakers. Oh, that is... Oh, that... <laughs> what, can, what, what else can you actually do? <laughs> That's yeah, so this is the sick. biggest bad beat of all time. He wins his seventh match. His friends are high-fiving him. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Doing laps around the mirage. <laughs> and now we will assassinate yeah. a random player. <laughs> yeah, just ludicrous. I think they changed the format after that GP so it didn't happen again. It was just so ridiculous. It's something out of the yeah. Hunger Games. You do your best, but you still die. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's so bad. Sorry, DJ, I think I interrupted you. Did you have a have another bad beat to tell as well? Uh, I don't think so, no. Um, okay. there, there is, There was actually one that sprung to mind where it was GP Florence um, about 10 or 12 years ago. And I was watching um, two European players playing at Ido. And... It was. It would have been around the time of original Zendikar because there were flip cards involved, uh, or yeah. transform cards involved, and somebody forgot to transform their uh, creature in their upkeep, and they drew their cards and then just picked the card out of the sleeve and transformed it, and the guy was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I announced this in my upkeep. It's transformed now." And his opponent was like, nope, that didn't happen. Judge was called. Guy got DQ'd at 8-0. Yep, yeah, that's straight up cheating. Yeah. Yeah, can't lie to a judge about that. So, who... Can't miss if, their present board yeah. site. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one, but... Yeah, if, if that person's listening, fuck you. Yeah, don't <laughs> cheat. Fuck you. Yeah. I doubt they're listening. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, like great. All right, I, th I think that's going to cover it cool. for the Arena Open. Uh, yeah, I think we all just came away from it very positively. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just just a great event. Uh, hope to see another one very soon. Yeah. Uh, we still have a bit of time to fill. Um, I was going to talk a bit about uh, Standard because there's going to be a new deck in town. If you guys yeah, uh, let, want to talk about that for let's a few do minutes. It. All right, so we'll move on and talk a bit of Standard before we end the episode because we have a new deck in town, which feels like we had a couple of weeks there where everything felt like it was a bit figured out. We had the start of the format, what kind of gruel and aggro sort of Naya or red-white showdown of the Scalds decks. Then we had the emergence of the... And sort of red-black mid-range was a thing back then. Then we had the emergence and dom dominance for a few weeks of the Sultai Ultimatum decks, which I was playing, super fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had a huge surge of aggro to try and beat those decks. So a lot of people playing mono-red, a lot of people playing mono-white people back playing the cycling deck from Ikoria. Wow. 
all of those decks absolutely crushing the Soul Tie Ultimatum deck. So basically that deck is, is completely non-existent now. People have just completely jumped ship from it because there's just too much aggro and you're, you've got probably like a 35 to 40% win rate across right. the board against the aggro deck. So it's, it's basically just unplayable in the current climate. Um, and then we've seen a really interesting deck come out. Uh, people have been talking about it on our Discord a little bit, uh, which is a Naya uh, kind of beatdown adventure combo deck. So the core of the deck is it plays four Edgewall Innkeeper, um, four Bone Crusher Giant, four Lovestruck Beast, four Shepherd of the Flock, and four Giant Killer. So a lot of good cheap adventure creatures, uh, gives you a good card draw engine, and then that gets you to the combo element of the deck, which is it plays four Showdown of the Skulls, just for card advantage yep. and to make your team bigger. Just can't go wrong if you're playing Naya, playing that. Four Goldspan Dragon, again, one of the best cards they've printed in the new set. And it's playing four... Uh, Uncaged Fury, I think is the name of the card. Double yep. power of target creature till end of turn. And for uh, Kazul's Fury, is yep. it also a Fury card? It is. Yeah, which is the uh, the double-faced land spell that is a, a fling effect, basically. So the idea is you get a bit of damage in, and then you attack them with a Goldspawn Dragon, double its power, and then fling it after combat. Uh, it's possible to do this on turn 5, um, because what you can do is tap out for the dragon on turn 5, attack with it, that makes a treasure, hit them, uh, target your own dragon with your Shepherd of the Flock bounce. I can't remember what the bounce spell is called. Oh, yeah. That'll create another... Uh, so in response to the trigger, create another treasure. Then before that resolves, uh, fling it at your opponent. Yeah. Uh, and you, and you, can, you can basically 20 them if you've done any damage previous to that. Also, you can just attack them with a Lovestruck Beast double its power, hit them for 10, and then fling it end of turn for another 10. So this has two creatures that kind of works with this combo. Wow. Sometimes you just win games just off casting a showdown at the skulls, sure. just killing them with a bone crusher or whatever. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just win kind of grindy games because Innkeeper is just broken. Yeah. Uh, it sounds really gimmicky, but the fact that the four flings you're playing are also lands uh, is really good. Yeah. Uh, you're also playing four uh, Sejiri's Protection. Is that what it's called? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The like, yeah. 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 So basically, yeah. So that's amazing with Goldspawn Dragon to protect the combo because anytime they target your dragon, it gives you the instant speed two mana to just cast that and give it protection. Oh my god. And yeah. Wow. So it's like it all just works together really well. It sounds gimmicky, but it actually just plays as like a really decent aggro mid-range deck that just has this combo finish that's like almost unstoppable and if they don't kill your dragon the turn you play it like you're you're just going to win the game anyway because the next skull you cast you're just going to have four extra mana the next turn you're yeah. just going to just cards are going to spill all over the table you know i played um, against the the non-fling version early 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 in the format and it did seem mm -hmm. very good it was just like a mid-range thing with the the draw engine of the scald and of the innkeeper and then just a bunch of dudes and it was that yeah. was good yeah, you know. and this is basically the same deck just with those those extra cards added. Right. And it makes it really hard to play around. Like, your opponent is forced into really bad blocks early in the game just because they can't go below. Like, if they go to 16, they're dead to just double its power, fling it. Or, uh, you know, right? Just <laughs> right. on one turn. Yeah. So they have to just chump block your Lovestruck Beast, you know, every single turn. Um, even then, yeah, the doubling power in combat, they can just die out of nowhere to a lot of stuff. It's, it sounds really gimmicky and stupid, but the deck actually just plays really well. And considering that, like, the protection spell and the fling are both 
lands as well the only kind of dodgy card you're playing in your main deck is the is the double power card you know what i mean which is not a magic card you're putting in your deck but there's right. only four copies the rest of your deck is just really good serviceable magic cards mm-hmm. so yeah it's a lot better than these type of decks usually are it sounds it sounds good to me and the reason two of the reasons two reasons that it's good is uh shootout of the skulls is a broken card so exactly. we get to play that for those and then we yeah. get to play the draw engine of the edge wall and keeper and the opportunity costs or the setup cost on that so monstrably low that yeah. we just jam four and jam the package anyway. And exactly. at, the, at the end of the day, we have a bunch of beaters anyway. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. th- this is kind of the problem with the adventure stuff in standard is like, I was looking at this when I was building gruel decks at the start of this format. And I was like, okay, but like, what if I could do something else instead of the innkeeper or adventure, adventure, adventure package and be more aggro. And I'm like, Oh well, I'm definitely just going to play four bone crushers and four love struck beasts anyway. Right. So I, exactly. why would I not play the innkeeper? It's just, yeah. a, it's just a. You may be thinking, uh, ooh, pelt collectors and more aggro card or something, or nah, some card like that. What's something yeah, like yeah. that? Anyways, yeah. but um, also Goldspan Dragon is one of the best cards in the format, and you just get the jam four. It's absolutely so. ridiculous. Yeah, it's just it feels just so absurdly unfair, unfair when you attack with that and they're tapped out, and yeah. you know you have that protection spell in hand or even you just have a stomp in hand or something like that and they they get to kill it but you're up you know up three mana or something like that in the exchange it's it's just absolutely yeah. absurd and what beats it um what beats it i think it's a good question to be honest i think the deck's very good i think probably like mono white does well against it. Okay. Um, you are you are jamming. I think three or four of like the archon of absolution in the board, mm-hmm. um, which is the three two flyer for four that has protection from white and it like ghostly prisons your opponent. Mm-hmm. They have to pay one to attack you with a creature. Sure. Um, the mono white decks very funnily have adapted to that because uh, a lot of those decks are playing that on the sideboard now. They're now playing three or four Scalding Cauldron in the sideboard. I don't know if you could even name what that card does. No, from Throne of Eldraine. Another broken Throne of Eldraine card, you guys. DJ, can you name what this card does? Uh, it is a one-mana artifact, and you Correct. Uh, pay four colorless, tap it, deal three damage to something. <laughs> yeah, tap, sacrifice, it. deal three damage, yeah. So it's an artifact. It's the only way they can beat the, the pro-white. What? Dice, please. Yeah. That was unplayable <laughs> limited. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a limited, but as it's placed and constructed. That's yeah. what I love about, about magic. You see this ridiculous tech pop up from time to time. It's, it's great. I, I remember a certain Niall Grimm um, playing in his fairy sideboard to beat Grit Tablestag, a three mana, three four artifact creature. Um, I remember Grit Tablestag. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the, the card that beat it. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember what that card's called. Um, it might have been from Cold Snap. Um, that's how oh, long wow. ago it was. Um, yeah, so give give yeah. me I you 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 cut out there for me. Give me the interaction again if you don't mind. Oh yeah, uh, you played a three mana three four artifact creature in your fairy sideboard to beat Grit Tablestag. Oh yeah, Just to block it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the only way to to beat the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Great table stack was what? It was like a, what, like a 3 3 yeah. that had protection from black or something? It was yeah, 3 mana, 3 3, three, three yeah. protection from blue, protection from black, and can't be countered. It's protection from the fairy oh, stack, basically. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So you would just Love play that. the 3 4 Mantic. It was like a Manticore or something? Something like that, yeah. Something like. You had to pitch a card when it came into play, or. And all it oh, did yeah, was. It Molten Tail Massacre. No, that, that it was that way was worse than, than that. Scars. Yeah, it was a three. Oh, I'll tell you what it did. It was a three-four for three, 
and it didn't untap during your untap step and you had to do something to untap it like play it instant oh, or brilliant. something like that who knows but so you never you never attacked been... you never attacked with it so it didn't matter it's just three four wall my god yeah this might be yeah this is the return of that one i guess called it calls it <laughs> yeah another... boomer, boomer yeah, magic just... stuff right here yeah it really is it really is yeah throwing just throwing a drain just keeps delivering the hits you know ban after ban they're gonna ban this now they got to ban the cauldron just take it yeah yeah well they already banned oh they didn't buy witch's cauldron they banned the cat but you know yeah second powerful cauldron guard second two cauldrons yeah yeah they were just too afraid of the uh cauldron tribal deck exactly yeah uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of where standards at at the moment. I don't think there have really been any new developments apart from that. Red black mid range has become pretty nicely playable again because people stopped playing Sultai because Sultai kind of beat up on you pretty well, uh, and and the the Rakdos mid range deck I think does pretty well against these kind of aggro decks and mid range decks. You just have a ton of removal. Valky is really good against them. You know, yeah. can really shred a lot of opening hands pretty well. So it's looking like a pretty good format at the moment. Um, I think there's kind of Yorion decks running around maybe for control as well. It's not really probably where I'd want to be at the moment, but you know, you can always play that if you want to as well. But uh, yeah, I suppose that's our little check-in to standard for a week. Might be useful for anyone if they're, if they, you know, don't play an SCG tournament or something like that. Yeah, Who knows? I'll definitely try the deck out. Sounds super fun. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds it is. It is. It's super fun. It's good. I'd recommend jamming a few games with it in the ladder for sure. Awesome. All right, guys. I think that's going to do us uh, for the week for once we haven't uh, ran to 90 minutes. We're, we're actually giving oh, you guys a reasonably... Caron, I, I, oh. I, I hate to shit on this parade, but I believe we have one more segment. Oh, the most do. important segment of any Pocket Jaces podcast show. <laughs> the Hand of, of the Week. Oh, this is where we educate and edutain. Entertain and edutain. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Well, I've got one here, guys. You'll be glad. You'll glad. You'll be glad to know, guys. It's actually a really short one this week. Um, I really only have one question with this hand, and one concept to talk about. So, if we bring this up, this is the uh, the pocket kings I have. Can cool. we see this yeah, one? Pocket kings in the small blind. So we're in the small blind. We have pocket kings. We are playing fifty NL zoom. This is what this game is. Uh, so we're six max and it is folded to us in the small blind and we raised to three and a half times the big blind. Are you guys using about this size in the small blind? Yep. In mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. No debate. I like the sizing. Honestly, in Zoom, sometimes they even go bigger. Sometimes they just make it 4X. Yes. You know, it doesn't really make a difference. People are going to call you about the same anyway, so yeah. I tend to just make it bigger. So, yeah, one thing me and Kieran have found in the Zoom pools is that we are making our bet sizes bigger and it's going well for a couple of reasons. One, as Kieran says, people's ranges are kind of inelastic. So you kind of, with your value hands, build a bigger pot anyway. And then people aren't four betting you enough either. So when you yeah, three 100%. bet to bigger sizes, you don't get punished by like loose four bets, that type of thing. Um, people just fold a little too much to three and four bets, basically. So um, yeah, I like the size and our opponent three bets to 12 big blinds. Um, we're, we're definitely four betting here, guys, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They're 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 three bets a little on the small side, I think. So it yeah, a touch but, uh, a touch. Yeah, they are in um, position, so it's yeah. just over three x. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think their three bet size is fine. I think, um, in position, um, th- you might see some flatting of kings here out of position. I think I prefer the four bet. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. In the zoom pool, and in these zoom pools, I'm always happy to just get it in with premium hands yeah totally absolutely fine let me you know it's with the rake structure 
you're winning in the long term by just getting all the money in with with ace king plus absolutely and then with your bluffs you're generating folds and winning before the, the rake hits you anyway so if you have the so, ace exactly. four ace yeah. five suited here and you want a four bet bluff you you miss the rake which is exactly yeah. what we want to do yeah. so 100%. we go ahead and make it 27 and a half big blinds now my question here is is this a little too big we are out of position um i think it's about so maybe a smidge too big i think it's about right i think i usually make it like 2.2 x for four bats or something i make like it like 2.3 so. 2.4 but yeah. out of position i make it maybe make it three three x or something like that yeah. well i mean um that's even bigger than the size you have it is. yeah um mids this time um i i i think the size is totally fine here mm. i think i i think it's about right i don't think you want to go much bigger and i think much smaller is also a mistake so i i i i, so I personally think this four bet size is bang on this is like two points right, yeah. two points what is this two point uh three four something like that two point four yeah it's i make it maybe marginally smaller a little bit but that's it's fair like, it yeah. doesn't matter that much, but like also, it's good to know that when you've made your uh, initial size bigger, uh, the pot is going to get exponentially inflated by that anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, like once you've made it, then you get four bet. It's like all the money is going to go in by the turn anyway. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter too much. So the only yeah. thing you're really concerned about is like what what we're thinking of our like opponent's five bet jam range, and we're really not concerned about that too much at like fifty ml zoom. So no. it's it's you're really into the weeds there. It doesn't matter. So, anyways, we'll, we'll move on on our opponent calls, um, and we have a flop of ace nine five two clubs. We do have the king of clubs. And another question I wanted to ask you guys: Are you just range betting this flop with everything, or are you putting these kings into like a check range? Um, I think I th I think in a four bet pot, I'm more inclined to put this into a checking range. Um. Even though it is small blind versus big blind, so theoretically their four their uh, flats here should be a bit a little bit wider than normal. But I think in a four bet pot they are still going to be relatively is heavy. So um, I think I just prefer checking with kings here. I think I'd range bet it all day. Like we yeah. should have more aces than they do, right? Like they're. Should do. They're the caller. Should so. do. What I've been doing is putting these kings into my checking range and then adding some aces, like my ES5 4-bet bluff, that, mm. that type of thing, just to make sure I've got some aces in there. Yeah, sure. And then like just yeah. range betting the rest, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that so much. Like, I think um, one thing here is that, so this is ace, nine, five with the nine and five of clubs. Yeah. The fact that we have the king of clubs here uh makes me think that it's a slightly better check than it would be otherwise because we're we're blocking a lot of our opponents uh draws um so like sure. we're gonna have more non-club kind of value that they're gonna be calling us with so yeah. I think that makes a check slightly better so yeah. like it, it gives them more like pocket queens and pocket jacks that are gonna call one street yeah. or maybe two streets yeah that type of thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But then what you don't want to happen, let's say they have pocket queens, what we don't want to happen here is go check, 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 check. We want to get a value bet out of pocket queens here, I think. Oh, if I'm checking here on like on a blank, on a non-club, I'll be... Well, even probably I mean, on some clubs, I'll probably be, be delayed yeah, betting turn. I yeah, imagine. I mean, you can, you can get a value bet out of pocket queens on any street. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, like, I think uh, going... 
having a delayed C-Vets here is much better because if they check behind, then you feel very, very confident in your hands. And yeah. mm. um, you have a much easier decision on the turn. And the... I just feel... Go ahead. I just, I just, yeah, just the one thing I was going to say is, like, you're saying, like, you have some aces here, like, maybe some, some ace-fives and ace-fours and stuff like that. It's, like, I actually think that, like, that's not enough combos to, like, make this balanced if you're checking, like, kings, queens, and jacks here. It's not. Um, I it think, is. I think you're... Is it? I think your value, like, really outweighs your, like, small-suited aces here, you know? Like, it seems like it's... It's way more well, we've got we've got to remember, DJ, game. that like a cup a few combos of our small suited aces are blocked. Ace five of diamonds yeah. is blocked, and ace clubs of ace five clubs is blocked. Um, now we haven't talked about ace four, for example. We can also use ace four or something like that. That's fine. Um, my trouble is what happens to our betting range once we take all those aces out of it. So now we've got, let's say, jack queen of spades that we've chosen mm-hmm. to four bet, which is reasonable enough. Um, sure. Sometimes. We've now got a big ton of those in our betting range. That's my concern with the bet, which is still fine. But what makes that fine is we're range Wait, but betting. You, but you said you were going to range bet that anyway. You said you were range betting anything that wasn't an ace or one of these pairs, right? Right. So the the question is what 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 we're doing to balance the the checking the checking range. So uh, we're getting yeah I, you're getting I into the, the check range here. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying I, I'm just range betting. You're having you're having to balance two ranges basically here, and uh, it's, yeah. it's a tough one. I don't mind either. Like, I think against the population checking here is totally fine. I think it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's totally fine. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. So we do check, and our opponent bets uh, 23 big blinds, which is about a half pot bet. So to give the audience the, the action here, I go check. They bet around half pot. They've got 68 big blinds behind. That's the effective stack. And this is going to make the pot uh, around 78 big blinds, a point of decision. Um, I assume you guys like peeling one off here with the King Club? Oh, yeah. 100%. We're, yeah, but we are basically committed because we're down to like a pot size bet on the turn, right? As I said, all the money is, is likely going to go in on the turn here. So if we're if we're calling this bet, we have to be prepared to call an awful lot of turns as well. I do not think that's true. I think that's a fallacy. I, I agree with so, Niall. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's a fallacy. What's going to happen here is um, our opponent is going to attack this board if we have checked. Our perceived range then does not contain many aces. And they're going to attack this board with, let's say, their queen jack of spades or their um, pocket eights. That's now just decided, I'm going to take a stab and turn this into a bluff. Um, I don't think those are in their four-back call range. Three-back three oh, call. Oh, is that... Uh, it, or sorry, uh, three-back call Yeah, yeah three, blind three versus call, blind? But, yeah, blind versus blind, 100% it is, yeah. Mm, pocket, pocket eights, I don't know. Po- maybe maybe not pocket eights, I don't, I don't know. I would I would have pocket eights in my three-back call range. I'd have queen yeah, jack, sure. king, king jack, pretty much all the suited broadways. Mm. And... Yeah. They could take a stab here and then give up on a term of turns. Um, so I think yeah. it is a... But more importantly, I think it is a fallacy to say we're facing this bet and then this is what's going to happen in the future and we need to make sure we're also doing this. We get to have folds in our turn range too. That's okay. Well, yeah, you do. But it's like, I mean, this is a half pot bet. Like, this is a fishy size for one thing. So it I'm is. inclined to think it's a sizing tell and it's value heavy <laughs> yeah. in the first place. Um, so, like... I think you're just going to be seeing a ton of barrels here when you see the sizing on the flop. I think I, so. I would just be considering what, like, having to call a turn bet when I'm like, you should be thinking about what the action is going to be on the turn. Totally, and it's it flop it's bet. a clear setup. I'm not I'm not saying you have to call. I'm saying you, sure. you have to think about that before yeah. you click call on the flop. Um, I think uh, folding king 
Uh, if we're folding kings here, we're definitely not meeting our minimum defense frequency either. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying fold. I would call. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But also, I would bet. Also, I bet I wouldn't check. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be here. Point. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, I think that's that's true, DJ. And that that really moves us on to our, to our turn, which is I think the most interesting spot to my mind. Um, we call, and the turn is the three of clubs. So we've got a hundred big blinds in the middle, and our opponent's got seventy big blinds. And they've just got a they've got a shove or, or, or a check back. I check to them and they decide to shove. Do we need to call with these kings to meet our defense frequency, basically, is the question. Um, Against so population, like, do we need to do this? So again, we have the King of Clubs here, which is very important, so that is like <laughs> a super relevant blocker. Mm-hmm. Um against their three bet call range though i'm not actually sure how good the king of clubs is specifically because like like you know like okay we're blocking like king king jack and king queen sure um and maybe king 10 uh of clubs but like they that's about I guess it the nine is i guess the nine on the board is really good card removal though it's blocking eight nine and, and jack 10 so like they actually shouldn't have that many suited connectors here with the with the nine on the board. Mm. So actually, I think that's a factor that would make me want to call probably. Okay, Deej. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we did have to call to meet uh, our minimum defense frequencies here, but I am totally fine with an exploitable fold here. Um, I don't think were too f- so say they do have an ace here and we are basically drawing to a club and the two kings left in the deck what what are we we're about 22 percent, something like that we're not actually that far off having the odds to call if you can find bluffs here yeah, um then and yeah and they should like very rarely have the ace club specifically here so we should almost never that should never be a dead out basically right because right. ace five is blocked and we're blocking ace king yep so yeah, yeah. we're bo- uh, blocking a bunch of ace where we're blocking ace king of clubs and then we're blocking ace king with the ace of clubs basically. yeah exactly uh, yeah, yeah. yeah my my concern is just that what bluffs do they have here well um, i think the bluffs they have are like let's say um i'm, th- I'm thinking <laughs> sevens or eights maybe that's it though because i was thinking let's say you have queen jack of diamonds in the big blind shoes are you gonna have to turn some of these into bluffs or is that mental I th- to do so i or is that, i, I think know? i think that's mental okay uh, people might do it like the population might do it but i, yeah. I think that's a terrible play sure. personally yeah so you're you're relying on the population turning sevens or eights with like the seven or eight of clubs into a bluff here um, Something like that, yeah. and I don't think the population's doing that. Um, so, are we agreed that this is a this is a fold? I would fold. I think it's like I think if you want to like play, like if you want to talk about like the like GTO approach, like you probably have to call here like a decent amount of the time. Sure. But yeah, as, like exploitably, I think a fold is totally fine. As I said, I think the sizing is very indicative of like a, a good ace on the flop. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them show up with that and, at all, and they're just and they're just scared of the club and just yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. And are you guys in agreement that if we have our let's say our, our ace four that we four bet bluff, we can never fold that on this board, right? We can just not fold an ace here. Yeah, if we're if we're doing this basically, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you explore, I, exploring, exploring with Thornix Sol am as well. I mean, probably have to, right? Like, um, like how many aces do we actually beat in that scenario? And like, well, we none. How many? We're, yeah, the, they. Uh, we're, we're just we're just trying to meet minimum defense, and this is the point. This is one of the reasons why checking on this flop is really troublesome. Is that we have to make these types of decisions, as you said, Kieran. Um, not that that's, and it's a fallacy because not because you're wrong, but because the, the how do I put this? The concept that this 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 is wrong is a fallacy. What it being difficult is the problem. That that's that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in in summary, I think we all agree that this is an explorable fold and really really tough one. I do fold uh, at the end of the day, and I think that's a good one. Um, red line takes a bit of a hammer in there, but I think it's okay. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. Um, yeah, again, I think it's just it's just an approach to like what what flops you want to be range betting. Um, is is kind of as you said determines the hand. Like if we range bet a third on the flop there and they call, uh, then it's much easier for us to check on the club. Yeah, uh, and then the pot isn't big enough that they can jam there because like i don't think the population is really finding any like overbet jams on that turn if the pot is smaller yeah um so you know then we can you know we could then we can think about what to do there but yeah. uh, but not as much money has gone in that's I'm fair sure. but it's a, it's a really it's a really tough spot though it's a really tough spot yeah cool yeah it's a simple one but a really tough one you know, not, it is. not nothing too crazy yeah. happened there, but just one of the tough, tough spots you come across. Uh, but I, yeah. I think we made an okay fold. It's fine. I think so too. Nice. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, let us know what you guys think if you're listening to the episode and you disagree with the, any of our lines. Then I think, yeah. like, I do think the king of clubs there like adds like a really interesting wrinkle to this hand. I think I think that's yeah. the most interesting aspect because you're supposed to be thinking, oh, the blocker is so good and everything, but then you have to have the blocker in the context of their actual range and like a th- and like a cold three bet range is like so so sort of yeah. uh, capped and specific that it, it gets really weird you know as to how good yeah. that I think that's a really good point I think people do fall into the trap and I fall into it all the time too that you get tunnel vision on your blocker and you think this is the premium blocker I, I have to do this now when when you actually put it into context the blocker might not matter as much as it, it initially seems right yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there, it's possible maybe that having like pocket tens with like the could ten be clubs might exactly. be a better blocker. Yeah, or something like that. You know, because they're I mean? turning something like the king yeah. of clubs into a bluff uh, or something like that, right? King queen with the king of yeah, clubs. Yeah, something. Yeah, or if that nine wasn't on the board, for example, like if that if that was the deuce or like you know the the like the six of clubs or something instead of the nine of mm-hmm. clubs on the board, and we had the ten of clubs. Then it's like, oh, now we're actually blocking Jack Ten of Clubs yeah. and, and Nine Eight of Clubs, which is like, or, or Ten Nine of Clubs, which is like actually really important on these boards because that's going to make up a big portion of their yeah, in th- position th- called range, points. right? All right, guys. So, uh, so that's it. Hand of the week. Uh, good to have some disagreement for once between us because usually we're just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm at each other with that great player, we're all the players. So, nice to have a bit of disagreement. Yeah, um, uh, let us yeah. know on Twitter uh, what. What your thoughts are of that hand at Pocket Jace's Cast? Please follow us and please like all our tweets. We're very lonely. Listen, we need the engagement. It's this is we're all, we've all quit our jobs. The podcast <laughs> is all we have. Yeah, 
We haven't set up the Patreon yet because we're lazy. Though. We're really bad at this job. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're so bad at it. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week, as usual. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the Cheers, episode. guys. See you later. See you later, guys. Okay, so got a little after show here. Um, it's it's not a game; it's just more of a discussion. And I've got a little factoid t- type um, teaching moment, I suppose, I could give you guys. Uh, talking in the Discord there about birthdays and about receiving and giving gifts. I was thinking about this today, and I've decided that I'm not a very good gift receiver. Do you guys like your birthdays? Do you like receiving gifts or giving gifts? And is there anything that stands out in your past about something that was a really nice gift? If, if you want to share that, it's up to you guys. Um, yeah, I think this is an interesting subject. I think Irish people in general are really bad gift receivers or just like affection receivers in general. I think there's a lot of like the yeah. ingrained, you know, Catholic guilt there or whatever that's, that's been yeah. put down on us for, us for 100 years as a society, which has just... Um, you know, it's it's just like, we're so terrible. You know, people can't accept a cup of tea and, you know, the classic Father Ted meme in someone else's house. You know, you have to ask someone <laughs> 10 times before they'll say yes to a cup of tea or a biscuit or something like yeah. that. We're just terrible at this stuff. We're really bad at allowing ourselves to be shown affection and be open to it and stuff. And, and that's definitely something that I've, like, struggled with um, throughout my life. I think I think a lot of people feel, Irish people feel this way. And I, I've definitely become better at it. It's something I've tried to consciously work on, just be okay with people giving me a gift and just and just a gift or a compliment or any any kind of like positive affection yeah. like that right it all kind of fits into the same bucket yeah. so yeah it's definitely something i think that uh that i've had to work on and i think i'm better at it now than i used to be definitely and, and stuff like parties like say someone you know like like i used to be so embarrassed thought of like hosting a party for myself for my birthday or whatever like just felt so <laughs> you know it's it's just like liam or exactly yeah it's just uh, yeah I, I just hated it but but then it's like as I kind of grew older and especially as I, like after I left school and stuff and kind of there's friends you don't get to see that often, you know, from all walks of life or whatever. And you start to realize like it's it's not just a celebration of you, but just like it's a, it's a chance to like see those friends again and to like celebrate those relationships and stuff. And that's kind of what gifts mm. are, too. And like I think you should you should be open to that because it's it's a great way to just like reconnect with those people in your life who are choosing to spend a bit of their time, a bit of their money to like show that affection to you, you know, and um, especially in the world that we're in now where it's like very disconnected with, with COVID and everything like that. I think, I think it's especially important to, uh, to be open to those kind of like tokens of affection and gestures and stuff like that. So uh, I, I think I'm better at that. And I think I'm actually worse at the gift giving side. I'm really bad at like remembering birthdays. I'm, I'm, I'm really thoughtless in terms of like in relationships this has been a constant issue for me just thinking of little things to do you know even not for big special occasions or whatever but just stuff to ju- stuff to just like show I care and stuff I think I think it's and, and that's not out of like malice or like being mean or frugal or anything like that it's just not something that naturally comes to my mind to do um but I realize that's a problem and that it's it's something you should actively work on right you should you should 
put work into into showing people you care about that you care about them, right? So, right. But, yeah, okay. that's kind of my thoughts on the what subject. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I share some of those thoughts. I'm. I'm pretty bad at receiving gifts. I, I don't celebrate my birthday, really. Um, DJ, you and I have been out for a few pints for my birthday a couple of times, but never really big affairs. Um, I just don't like it. Uh, and I've been racking my brain thinking, why don't I like this? You know, And I always, always had the excuse of, oh, my birthday is just after Christmas. Mm. So everyone's skint. And I don't want to put pressure on people to go spend money because eh, everyone's skint. And no one really wants to go to a bar early in January. They just want to take the month off and stuff like that. And a lot of people are on diets and gyms and stuff like that. And I'm like, come out for pints. Let's go. You know, and and maybe in recent years, I thought maybe this is a little deeper. But it's like, do I not like my birthday because I don't want to celebrate myself? Yeah. Is that maybe what it is? Maybe part of it. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. It's, it's tough to um, untangle, right? It's like, because it, do, it doesn't yeah. have to be that dramatic or extreme or deep. But there can be an aspect to that, you know? it's it's <laughs> It could uh, be. Like, I don't want myself to be celebrated, or I don't want pe- other people to make a fuss. Exactly, that's such the me. Irish thing. Like, it's very yeah. Irish. It is. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Deej? As someone whose uh, ancestors is, uh, have rejected Catholicism and, and Irishism <laughs> for this very reason, <laughs> plus more, what do you think? I fucking love gifts, and I love attention. Give it all to me. Give me all the compliments in the world. I... I don't like making my birthdays like big benders or anything like, you know, where you go out to nightclubs and you do all that sort of thing. But if I could have like 20 of my close friends around at my house telling me how great I am, oh, give me that, please. I, I, I need it. I feed yeah. off it. I can't survive without it. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I'd just shrivel and die without it. So, um, yeah. Also, uh, Turn on your captions on Google Hangouts because it is amazing. This, this has well. blown my mind. No, it's doing <laughs> really well. Oh wow! Okay, there we go. Like it's you getting have a transcription for it, the podcast. Yeah, or yeah, it's get it's getting the grammar and everything. Uh, for all the listeners at home, if you're oh, if you're ever wow. on Google Hangouts, turn on those captions. It'll blow your mind. We are in the future. That's amazing. <laughs> So uh, what I um, thanks for very much for your thoughts on those on that guys. So, so maybe some stuff to to pull out of the psyche there, but I don't know. The last thing I wanted to do, especially to the lads on our Discord, was they were talking about the birthday paradox or the birthday yep. problem, and they did, I don't know if they knew they were or not. So they were talking about if anyone has the same birthday as anyone they know, and I don't know if you've heard of this guys, but. It's extremely likely yeah, that yeah. you yeah, do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very, very likely. Yeah. What are the numbers? There it's like go. if you have 23 people in a room. Yeah, it's like 50%. It's, it's 50 50 that it's a 50% two of them will share a birthday. Yeah, which sounds. Yeah. That's why they call 70, it a paradox, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the 70 people in a room, you jump to 99.9%. It's like almost certain. Yeah. And if someone says, oh, I don't know anyone with the same birthday as me. Um, I'm actually. You all both. You do. You, you, you very. Well, actually, um, actually, Facebook says I don't share a birthday with any of my friends. So. Mm, there you go. And. Well, no one on Facebook's your friend, so. That's it. That's it. Sorry. Huh. 
Okay. You shrivel it up now. You've got it. <laughs> now you're great, DJ. Now you're good. Um, uh, no, yeah, my one of my first girlfriend had the same birthday as me, which is great because that's really difficult to forget. So that's excellent. We're still friends now. Nice. Uh, I have a friend in Cork that is the same birthday as me, and uh, one of my best friends, Aaron, his girlfriend Siobhan also has the same birthday as me. So I know loads, loads of good friends with the same birthday as me, and that's excellent because it that's really sweet on. Uh, on my birthday because I always reach out to those people and, and we say happy birthday to each other and it feels like much more meaningful than just the average like Facebook happy birthday message because we're both saying it like to each other at the same time it just feels like a really nice you know personal moment between those relationships yeah absolutely yeah that's cool uh, in terms of gifts uh, I didn't answer that question Niall uh, okay. I gotta say the best gift I've ever gotten uh, and I would encourage other people to do this as well it's easy to do and it's free is I think it was for my 30th birthday. Uh, my sister, unbeknownst to me, messaged uh, a lot of my friends, including friends of the show, David Wolf, who's, who's our editor, uh, I think, and Alan as well, and, and uh, some other guys from the magic scene. Uh, so I messaged them on Facebook or on WhatsApp, got their numbers or whatever, and basically asked uh, them to record themselves with their favorite memory of me or like a nice story that they remember about me and our friendship. Oh, nice. Uh, and then we were celebrating my birthday in my parents' house. And then, so after we had dinner and stuff, she, like, hooked her laptop up to the TV. And she'd made, like, a montage of, like, all my friends from throughout my life. Going back to that very first girlfriend I had, uh, you know, and, and people I knew even before that. And it was, it was about, like, a 10, 15-minute montage of just, like, all these people from my life wishing me happy birthday and, and reflecting on, like, some of their favorite memories of of their friendship with me honestly it was burst into yeah. burst into tears it was one of the most emotional yeah, things I've, I've gone through in my life it was it was really really lovely. lovely yeah and so as i said it's easy to do you know uh to do for your partner or for a family member or something like that just requires just reaching out to their their friends on facebook and stuff like that it takes no time at all just get them to record it on their on their phone or whatever put it together uh re- really yeah. sweet one of, one of the nicest gifts i've ever received yeah it's lovely um i have two um and uh both from carla obviously my fiance but our first christmas um she they're they're not like the most uh grand gifts or anything like uh for one of my birthdays we went to malta or she got me a trip to malta which was amazing but like these two were just like kind of small gestures and they were really really thoughtful the first one she got me like a jar and she'd made it herself she uh decorated it and put inside this jar loads of things that she just loves about me um and i i I know that sounds like kind of vain for my part like oh i love this jar that has all these reasons that my girlfriend loves me but uh i i i do still go to that jar sometimes and pick out some things like if i'm ever feeling anxious or something like I can go to I can go to that jar, pick some things out, and it just calms me down instantly. I I I fucking love that yeah. gift. And that's so sweet. That's awesome. That. Yeah. yeah that's, that's lovely. The you reach in the jar and there's a little four bit fluff range. Yeah. You just pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the other one was um, just after telling her about what uh, magic was and you know best game of all time it's been a big part of my life and like the next day um she was like oh i've got a wee surprise for you and she handed me like a gift bag and inside was like 
12 random Magic the Gathering boosters that she'd went to Forbidden Planets and just picked up. She just asked the guy behind the counter, like, hey, uh, my boyfriend likes Magic. Um, can you get me some stuff? And he just fired some random boosters into the bag, and she was like, yeah, here you go. Oh, that's so awesome. sweet. That's yeah. so nice. Like, yeah. 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 I, 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 I love both those ones. That's great. Yeah, it's just, it's those things that it shows as well, right, that uh, it really is the thought that counts, right? It's like, these are our favorite gifts, yeah, and they're 100%. not about money, they're not about anything grand or anything like that it's just signs of love and affection you know that that's the purpose behind it so yeah absolutely yeah i can't say i, I disagree that the, the best i'm really lucky i've received lots of lo- lovely gifts of the years i'm not going to pick any particular ones out in the past recent years obviously my the best ones have been from my daughter be it like a picture or a card or you know it's just amazing how something like that that's taken her half an hour to do you know, and like even like as she's gotten older, the amount of detail she's able to put in, um, you know, like maybe drawing a card of her favorite cartoon characters, and you actually start to recognize who the characters are because she's getting better at drawing and things, it, yeah. and those things are just stuff you stick in the scrapbook and keep forever, man. Yeah, and uh, just the, or the humble written letter is is uh, always a really nice nice gift to receive, also. And, yeah, very special. And any anything homemade, anything. Yeah. Is, is perfect you know definitely uh, but thanks for that guys that was a, a lovely heartwarming end of the pod yeah definitely uh, alright thanks very much for listening guys we'll, uh, we'll see you next week see you next week guys. see you next week <laughs>